My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the Lord be in my heart and on my lips that I may fitly and worthily proclaim the Holy Gospel in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My sermon title for this morning is called They Will Shine Forth. I was struck by just now one of the lines from the Gospel reading from uh, St. John Lazarus being sick and dying and somebody in the story says could he who not have healed all of these sick people uh, could not have kept him from from dying and it ties in with uh, the reading that we heard from uh, the the apocryphal or the deuterocanonical book uh, of wisdom and we'll get back to that in, in just a second could he who who healed all, the blind man who 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 healed the leper who cast out the evil spirits? Could, could this Jesus not keep this one man, his friend, from, from death? And he could have. But there's a destiny that awaited Lazarus and all of us that they couldn't see or understand at the time. I'll never forget the first time I ever encountered a, a sense of, of awe, uh, of a sense of being in, in sacred space. I was fortunate enough when I was a young man, my parents uh, kicked me out of the house, not because I was bad, uh, but because uh, I was going away to school and they kind of made me go to this one I didn't want to go to. Uh, but I, I said yes and I went anyway, so I was like, fine. Um, and on the way there, it all worked out, right? I had a, a nice two-week layover uh, in uh, the outskirts of Rome in a little city called Fuimicino. And uh, my hosts... Um, arranged for me to go see some of the sites in Rome with, uh, with, with some, um, some friends of theirs. And so here I am, freshly 18, uh, running around Rome with uh, some people who barely spoke any English. And they took me to the Vatican, the Vatican. And I'd never been there before. I haven't been back since. But it was huge. I remember like, just trying to take it all in from the outside, and it's beautiful there. And then I went inside. Inside. Has anybody ever seen pictures of the inside of the Vatican? It is beautiful. I mean, it is beautiful. And, it, and, it, and, it, and when you see the inside of the Vatican or a beautiful worship space, uh, you know, even like ours, is uh, Dostoevsky once wrote, I can't remember where, but he said that beauty will save the world. That's a little, little tidbit for you. But I remember going into the Vatican and seeing the, the religious imagery that was on the walls, the statuary of, of some of the, the, the popes of the past and the great saints of the church, Peter and Paul, who was in St. Peter's Basilica. So I know you, they had the, the tomb there uh, of St. Peter right there. Um, you know, uh, the, the arts and statues of, of all of the saints, of the 12 apostles, of the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, just services going on all around and then the touristy areas where you can go to the Sistine Chapel and look up and see the, the paintings um, by Michelangelo. And I remember being there and sitting in the back pew of a service being done in Italian. I had no idea what they were saying, but I had a sense of holiness that I had never experienced before. So I just kind of sat in the back and sort of, 
you know, let it wash over me. And that was the first time surrounded by the images of, of the saints of our Lord Jesus Christ, where I first had a real sense of what it means to be part of what we confess in the Apostles' Creed, that we believe in the communion of the saints. And I, that experience was repeated many, many years later uh, at an Orthodox cathedral near Philadelphia where I had a similar experience. Paintings of people with, with halos, nimbuses around their head were looking at me from all over the place. I remember when I first came here and I was downstairs with the search committee and they interviewed me and we had a really good discussion. Well, I'm still here five years later, right? We had a really good discussion. And, the, and uh, Shade actually was the, the head of the elder board at the time. And he said, hey, why don't you come up and see up here? And I said, great. So I came up here and I just looked around and I had a sense of, of awe. There's something about history. There's something about beauty, right? We may not have images of the saints surrounding us, but we have this beautiful image of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in our stained glass windows uh, up at the top here, we have images of things with deeply Christian significance. Like there's the lamb. Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. There's the shield of faith, which we use to quench the fiery darts of, of, of the evil one, right? We have uh, the dove right over there, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And I learned, and I'm still learning, and hopefully we're all learning, that the saints are people we emulate, but they're not just that. The saints are living icons of the resurrection, the light of Christ shining through them even now. And for some of us, the idea of the saints makes us shrug. What does that have to do with me now? Or, eh, that's kind of Catholic, whatever, yeah. But the commemoration of the departed saints began specifically, well, it's remembering has, has always been a part of the church, but the early martyrs, especially um, during the persecutions, the remains, their bones were actually taken and, uh, and were preserved um, and placed in areas like this. And that's been part of the tradition, uh, Christian tradition since very early times. And I think it's to our loss that we forget to commemorate the saints and, and forget about them. Not only the saints of the scriptures, right, and the saints of Christian history, but also the saints of our own family, right? Our family members who were redeemed, who were purchased with the blood of our precious Lord Jesus Christ, who saved them from sin and death. And we forget about them too sometimes. And this leads me to the reading from the Book of Wisdom. And the Book of Wisdom, also known as the Wisdom of Solomon, has an interesting history of usage in the church. Uh, though not officially recognized as canonical, some of the church fathers, like the great Saint Augustine, to whom the West owes a great deal, the Western church, thought that it should be canonical. And many of the church fathers cited the Book of Wisdom often, and it was only later on when the Apocrypha was removed and it was sort of placed into the back of our, our, of, our, of our Bibles, and many Bibles nowadays don't even have them at all, even if they are not canonical in the sense of, you know, Genesis to, uh, to Malachi and, and uh, Matthew to Revelation. There's still useful things in there for us to know, for us to read, because it helps set the stage for what happens in the New Testament especially. 
And the portion that Ray read this morning, chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, uh, we usually, they may have sounded a little familiar to you because we sometimes read it uh, during our Memorial Day service when we have the band and then the, they, they march in. That's one of the readings for the day. And it's a beautiful reading. It doesn't quite apply to Memorial Day specifically. It applies more specifically to days like this, all saints and all souls, when we commemorate them. And in the book of wisdom, to set the stage for what we heard in just, uh, what Ray just read in chapter 3, in chapter 2 of the book of wisdom, we have a contrast in chapter 2 with the wicked versus what's going on with the righteous in chapter 3. In chapter 2, it says the wicked, quote, lie in wait for the righteous man because he reproaches them for their sins. In other words, the righteous man rebukes and reproves the wicked man, so the wicked lie in wait for them to harm them. And then also a quote, let us test him with insult and torture and death. But their wickedness also a quote, blinded them, for they did not know the secret purpose of God. And so my first point this morning is, the wicked do not know the purpose of God. Those who live a life of wickedness do not, in fact, know God at all. Their actions keep them from knowing him and lead to their not only rejecting him, but also mocking him and those he has sent to them to warn them. This makes me think of the parable, we studied this a few weeks ago in the Gospel of Mark, of, of the, the landowner who had a vineyard and he leased it out to people to work it. And the way that that would work is that they would till the land and then they would share in uh, the, the, the fruit of the land and, and the proceeds from, from the sale of the wine. And, and it was supposed to be, it was supposed to work that way. But in the parable, they want to keep everything for themselves. They want to keep the vineyard. So the, uh, the vineyard owner keeps sending his servants. Some they beat up and send back. Some they kill. The vineyard owner sends his son and they kill the son thinking we'll get the vineyard. But it doesn't work out so well for them in the end. Sin blinds them, and sin blinds us. So this leads us to ask, well, what is the secret purpose of God? And the good news is the scriptures tell us exactly what the secret purpose of God is. Not only that, but the secret purpose of God has, be, has been accomplished and continues to be accomplished even now. And I would warn you, brothers and sisters, against any teaching, against any book you see in the bookstore or, or anything, anything, you, any uh, YouTube uh, personality that you like to watch, anything that says that they have secret wisdom or secret knowledge about God that until now nobody else has ever had, so you need to watch and listen to this or else you're going to miss out. I would suggest that you would stay away from that because God doesn't keep secrets from us. <laughs> God does not keep himself aloof from us. God has revealed himself to us through his son. But the wicked do not know the purpose of God. So we ask ourselves, well, what is this, this purpose, this secret purpose that God had? And in Colossians 1 verses 26 to 27, St. Paul says this, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So when St. Paul refers to the saints here um, in the book of Colossians, he's not speaking actually about those departed. He is speaking to who? To them. He is calling them saints. The people who are hearing this epistle being read to them, they are 
saints. To be a saint is to be holy. It is to be set apart. When we look in the Old Testament and we see the implements of worship in the tabernacle, one of the things that they do with the implements of worship is they wash them in water to do what? To clean them. Then once they are cleansed, they set them aside and then they use them in their religious ceremonies. They are washed and cleansed and set apart for use. And that is what a saint is. A saint is a person who has been washed and cleansed and set apart for God's purposes. And how many of you have been baptized? Raise your hand. I'm going to close my eyes so I can't see if anybody hasn't, right? <laughs> right? If you have been baptized, you have been cleansed, you have been regenerated, as St. Paul says in Titus uh, chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, that, that he has saved us, not through the, uh, through the washing of the water of regeneration, which he poured out for us in the Holy Spirit. That purpose, that mystery has been revealed at last. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Such an important phrase. And we see that hope of glory, what we heard read in the passage from Revelation and demonstrated through the story of the raising of Lazarus. So my second point, the secret purpose is Christ in you. And St. Paul's words here in, in, in Colossians, in some sense, though not directly, it mirrors a little bit what the author of wisdom said in chapter 3, verse 7. In the time of their visitation, he says what? They will shine forth. So to the wicked and the foolish who try and put the righteousness, uh, who try to put, excuse me, the righteous person to the torture and to death, who lie in wait for the righteous ones, to them the mystery is hidden. But to those who have received Christ, the mystery, the secret purpose has not only been revealed to them, but it is something that they begin to experience, that hope of glory. And that hope of glory, brothers and sisters, is the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we all become partakers of. That's what the Christian faith is about. The Christian faith is not about making you a nice person, about making you more moral. That's part of it that's wrapped up with that. But the point of the Christian faith is to share in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. St. Paul says in Romans, if, uh, I, I quote this all the time, so forgive me, but it's applicable to basically everything, right? I think it's Romans 8, 28. If the spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that same spirit will give life to your mortal body. The hope of glory is the glory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. John eleven forty, Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? And that secret purpose, Christ in us, is shown in the raising of Lazarus. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were beloved of Jesus. In John chapter 11, 5, it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And at 11, 3, it reads, So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And we know the story. Lazarus dies, even though Jesus says this illness does not lead to death, but that God will be glorified through it. And imagine the disciples' confusion, right? Lord, you, you just said that this is not going to end in death, but he just died. And Lazarus does die. 
but it's not the end for him. And we have to keep in mind as well, brothers and sisters, that at the time, there's not a concept for them of heaven as a place of waiting before the resurrection and hell. There's, they believe that the souls who departed went to Sheol, right? The realm of the dead, where those who were righteous were comforted and where those who were wicked were punished. But what the book of wisdom shows us is this burgeoning belief that God is doing something amazing and what was thought to be the end is not. And we know the story of the raising of Lazarus. Jesus said, did I not tell you if you believed, you would see the glory of God. And they bring Jesus to the tomb. And Jesus says, uh, open the tomb. And I'm like, Jesus, he's been dead for three days. The smell is really bad. I'm not making that up. That's actually what it says. And he's like, open it. I don't care. And they open up the tomb. And in the face of death, in the presence of death, Jesus cries. Jesus weeps. But then what does Jesus do? He stands there after they roll the tomb away and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Get out here right now. I'm calling you. And what happens? Lazarus gets up. He walks out of the tomb. He's still in his grave band, uh, wraps. And Jesus says, loose him and let him go. And they take off the grave wraps and he goes. And then later on, it says that many of the religious leaders plotted not just to kill Jesus later on in the chapter, but plotted to kill Lazarus too because he had been raised from the dead. And it shows us this, this, the raising of Lazarus. It gives us a, a, an incomplete picture of what's to come for all of us who believe. If we believe, we will see the glory of God. Christ in us, the hope of glory, that seed will bear fruit. It will grow. Our sickness, our corruption, our enslavement at the hands of sin and death is ultimately and finally healed. And we are made whole. And that begins, brothers and sisters, it's not just something that we're waiting for at the end of time. That begins now. When we, when we are justified by God's grace through faith, not of works. We are, when we have peace with God, that's where that begins. And it's so powerful, that hope of glory is something that's so potent that even death itself, just like it could not stop the resurrection of our Lord, for those of us who believe in Christ, who, who are in Christ, death cannot stop us either because we share in his life. And one day, when we ourselves, like Lazarus, die, Jesus will call us out of the tomb. And the, the, the seed of his resurrection life given to us will bloom into total and full completion, which is then God's secret purpose ultimately realized when we read in Revelations 21. I'll read it, a portion of it again. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. I look at verse 4 and 5. I'm just going to read the whole thing. It's so good. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
And here's the thing. Death shall be no more. Death shall be no more. And I preach on this often at funerals. That death is an enemy. St. Paul says so. The last enemy, uh, uh, sorry, St. John says this. The last enemy to be destroyed is, is, is death. St. Paul, St. John, I'm sorry, my mind is racing, I don't know. Look it up, you'll find out later when you get home, right? <laughs> the last enemy to be destroyed is this. The point being, there's something about death that doesn't sit right with us. So when we experience it, when it comes across our path, there's almost something in us that recoils and is like, that's not fair, that's not what we're made for. And we're not. We're, raised, we're made for life. Eternal life with God. And death. God's purpose realized. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain. For the former things have passed away. All of the things that cause us to cry. All of the things that bring us pain. Everything in our lives. That causes us harm which then works itself out through us, through our families, and through our friends, and through our world. Everything will be healed and made whole. And every tear will be wiped away. And brothers and sisters, I, I think that, that, that that's the most comforting thing that we could ever hear. Particularly when we've lost loved ones these past few years. Particularly when we've lost friends these past few years. Particularly when, when it seems like for the past two years specifically, death has just had a free hand all over the place. But for those of us who believe, those of us who are in Christ, the purposes of death are eternally thwarted. Because death, as it has no power over Jesus even though it might have a temporal power of our own body, does not have the final say over us. And my third point, the saints' experience of that glory, they have that right now. And we will all experience it together. As Jesus says, the time is coming where those who will hear the voice of the Son of Man and live. And so to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting and is all holy good and life-creating spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike. Anything you'd be able to help us out with, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to get a hold of me or you have any questions about what you've heard, feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zion's Stone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, zionstoneucc.com. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.